Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. My name is Rowan Caramandy and usual we have Phil. Hey Phil. Hey Rohan, how's it going? Good. And today we have Danny. Danny, how's it going? Great, how are you? Can't complain, still waking up, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's the usuals. Uh, this episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and ESP Home projects. Configurations done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any other YAML. That is the best one you've done live, and you are so tired. I love it. And well I'm done. not even awake. <laughs> <laughs> well Gotta love it. Uh, Danny, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I guess we're trying to triangulate time zones today. Where in the world are you from? So I'm based in the UK, uh, just above London in Hertfordshire. So yeah, three time zones, uh, three continents, I guess. Uh, yeah, That's right. Yeah, UK is one of yeah. I think UK and New Zealand are probably the hardest time zones we've had uh, on the podcast so far. So I'm glad we've been able to get this one to work. Um, it's not possible. We're in the middle of you two, so. Well, yeah, but then I've got to be at night. Rohan's got to be at the morning, or vice versa, and yeah. yeah. And 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 you're awake, so it's <laughs> one's waking up, the other one's falling asleep, and midday for me, so it's great. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> so, all right. So, home assistant. Um, maybe let's just start how you got onto your home automation journey and how you then got onto home assistant. Yeah. So, um, I've been into technology for a long time, and um, I remember the days of the X10, uh, and I was, I, I was everyone what, nine, talks about ten. X10. <laughs> yeah, everyone. It's great. Yeah, it's the only thing that was around at the time. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I remember those days, but I was probably not even a teenager then, and. Um, kind of went to school, did all that stuff. And then um, for me, it was all the different platforms, systems and all that sort of stuff. I just want to tie it all together. Mm. Um, and that's when my friend suggested looking at Home Assistant um, and kind of I slightly looked back and looked at Home uh, Open Hab at the time, but yep. kind of gave that a skip and carried on with Home Assistant. I'm glad I did. Yeah, that's so. Uh, X10. Did you sort of integrate that with any computers? Look, I remember you had to get like a special, like a CM15 module or something like that to plug into USB and then use some very like specific Windows program to ever interface that protocol. Did you ever like do anything fancy with X10 or just? No, it was the X10 stuff was more. I've seen it. I was reading into it, but I didn't have my own house because I was still at my parents' place right. and. Um, it was the technology that was there was like looked pretty cool, but yeah, that was the only thing I kind of remembered in terms of home assistant, uh, home, home automation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, back yeah. then, um, I uh, think what kicked it all off again though was probably all the smart speakers and stuff like that. Because um, I think when that all started popping up, um, loads of things were coming out with oh, we work with right. mm-hmm. you know, Google or like um, Alexas and stuff. Interesting. Yeah. So like it was it was really the facet that you know there's a lot of these. Devices coming out and stuff happening there where you're like, no, it's kind of cool. I want to do that. Yeah. And I remember back when I was in my childhood, it's like, oh, I remember X10 and just thinking about what I could do with that, but not mm. actually having the money to do it and my own place. Yeah. Um, and then now I'm more grown up sort of thing. Then uh, with all of this stuff coming on the scene, it's like, yeah, I, I just remember my phone and it's just looking through the homepage. It's just like littered with loads of different apps. I'm like, this yeah. is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> How far we've come, right? <laughs> <laughs> So, That's all right, so you've gone from X10, uh, you wanted to get into home automation. I remember I had, you know, uh, my first X10, I just wanted to turn some speakers on and some lights on my TV, and I had an X10 IR Blaster, um, 
at yeah, that thing was like considering like te- the technology today, it's amazing, like amazing how far we've come from like just the external was slow. Mm-hmm. You had to be plugged in, wired. Um, so yeah, what what made you like? I know you said you had like you know just speakers and stuff. Was there anything in particular that you wanted to do once you saw like or something that sort of tweaked in your mind, saying, "Hey, now that these speakers are sort of integrated, I could do this, I could do that." Like, is there anything that you wanted to yeah. go with? Uh, it starts off with lights first, so I had um, I started with LifeX first, mm. and then trying to hook things up into. Uh, things like motion sensors and stuff like that. It's, it's common things you see in the office. Like, why would you not have that at home if it's in the office? It's kind of like I always think of technology at home is usually better than the stuff you have at work. Yep. So um, it's like trying to, I'm more of a, let's get stuff working and then look at the pretty stuff like the graphs, the charts and dashboards later. And right. um, so start off with that. And it was LifeX. I had a LifeX. Then I had Hue as well for the motion stuff. And it came, uh, I got that for my birthday, and then I had a, it came with a bulb, and it's just like, oh, now I've got two different sets of branded bulbs, um, yes, yes, along with a hub, and one's Wi-Fi, one's Zigbee. And I was just thinking, oh, this is crazy that there's nothing I could use the two together, kind of thing. Mm. So, were um, you able to then use like Home Assistant to bridge like the Hue motion sensors into LifeX? Exactly. Um, so, using Home Assistant. I was looking for a platform and my friend said, oh, I've seen this thing called Home Assistant. Right. The funny thing is, is like he hadn't even used it or tried it. He said, oh, have a look at this thing. I was like, okay, I'll give it a go. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, tried it out, installed it and got it working. And it just went from there. And now I've got like over thousands of entities in my Home Assistant. And, and now you're on the Home um, Assistant we, podcast <laughs> talking about it too, right? That's right. Yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got Philips Hue uh LifeX, are, you still, are these still in your home or have you sort of migrated away to a one sort of ecosystem or are you still using a, a mishmash still using a mishmash so um spanning from that and i've added smart things into that mix um yep. as well as the nest stuff that's come in the ring there's so many different things now it's like but then it's got to the point where it's like i don't care as yeah. long as it works with home assistant and it, literally everything now even if I want to replace like the fridge freezer or something like that, it's like, does mm. it work for home? No, I'm not looking at that. <laughs> yeah. So is, is it kind of just like what's cheapest or is it like what you like, how do, how do you, how do you select your product? Is it by features, by price oh. or kind of all of the above or what? Um, I like to keep it to one ecosystem as I can. So I think smart things, there's a quite a lot of plethora of like sensors and stuff. Like I'm really a huge fan of, um, their multi-purpose sensors because it does contact temperature um accelerometer and that's great but um i'm willing to pay a little bit more if it means that it's all in one device mm. but otherwise yeah whatever's compatible I and mean, then base it on the there's partly like the form factor the the almost like the wife acceptance factor as well or if it's the price um as long as it meets what i need if i pay a little bit more would i use it and then i'll get that do would you have a favorite protocol that you've got in your house like if you could choose one over the other like do you like defer you know if there's two competing devices and you go all right i prefer to get it on this frequency or this sort of brand is it one that you would go for yeah so zigbee is my preferred choice um i think it's been the least hassle that i've had i mean so i've got um i'm using the the unify um networking stuff and it's been great up to a point but there's just this weird bugs and stuff and i've even got a case open for them at the moment where randomly devices will be dropping out it's just getting to a point where it's like oh can i just replace LifeX with 
say like Hue or even the IKEA stuff now are pretty good as well. So yeah, um, yeah, Zigbee's my preferred one. Um, yeah, I think uh, yeah, Zigbee. It's it's a funny one. I think uh, Philips Hue sort of started the whole mainstreaming of Zigbee for a lot of you know companies. Then IKEA comes out with Tradfree. Now you've got Amazon um, with their Echo devices, um, including Zigbee yeah. in there. Um, so I think yeah, Zigbee makes a lot of sense. I've always been a a big firm believer in Z-Wave just because, you know, Z-Wave had the, the right, you know, every device, to, no matter what manufacturer it is, is has to use a certain way of communicating. So it doesn't matter if you're changing brands, whereas Zigbee didn't have that and it still doesn't. Mm-hmm. Even today, you know, uh, ZHA, Zigbee to MKTs, you know, struggle with having to implement, you know, blinds from one manufacturer in a different way to another manufacturer. So, um, you- but- so, but the problem is you also have to deal with like a lot of different uh, pieces within the Zigbee uh, protocol, right? Like, so for example, Phil, mm. I know you guys have some trouble sometimes with Australia um, with getting... No, that's Z-Wave. Uh, like, oh, Z-Wave. Okay, so... Yeah, it's, frequencies, yeah. Okay, well then in that case, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. But Matter, I think as we're recording this, Matter has just ver- reached version 1.0. So yes. that's going to be solving a lot of problems there. Is it? Wait, what, you where so? do you stand on? Yeah, I was going to say, where do you both stand on the whole Matter thing? Go right ahead. I've, okay. I've, I've, talked, I've talked enough. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't, I don't know where I stand on it, right? The, I think I don't know if there's enough. So it is based on Zigbee and stuff, which is cool. Um, but how much of those flaws of Zigbee does it inherit, right? Like, um, so in the sense, like, are we talking like, again, do we still have sprawl of, um, within the protocol? So for example, does that mean I'm saying, um, like, again, like, like, like Phil said, this blind works this way, that blind works another way, because that's just how the, uh, manufacturer chose to build it. Right. Whereas Matter was supposed to address it that way um i'm sure zigbee was at some point too right and and yeah. i think i think therein lies the problem right is is we're just throwing more protocols at stuff and saying hey are we going to solve it again i'm not saying that's what matter is am i excited for matter yeah but you know i'm 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 also cautiously optimistic if you want to call it that right the cynic in me always asks you know why are these companies that are generally competitors in every way and cutthroat competitors, some of them, why are they mm-hmm. happy to join forces to create this protocol all of a sudden when it sort of benefited them for so many years to create their own silos and walled mm-hmm. gardens? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know why. I, I, I'm Trust me, I love that they've done it. Um, I think it's going to make the fragmented system that is home automation so much better um, if there is no hidden gotcha in there somewhere. That's the time will tell part, right? Um, yeah. yeah, version one. People complaining about oh, it doesn't support things like cameras or something like that. It's like give them a chance. Yeah, but at the same time, it's still everyone's got this bought into this ecosystem already, and it's going to take time for it to migrate over. But it's also, I'm also quietly curious about how they're going to solve the problems that Rohan highlighted as well. It'll be mm. interesting to see how manufacturers take to that. Yeah, it's still it's still going to it's still a loose requirement, right? Problem with open source is it's open interpretation, right? I think I've said this few times on the episode yeah, but yeah. <laughs> um, as as much as I'm, I'm a, i am a very big advocate for open source again hence we're even on the homeless podcast there's an open source product right it's that's open source done well i think personally but doesn't always end up that way right yeah interesting well i am um, i'm looking forward to i think homeless and yellow is going to get matter so that's good 
Um, and I like that mm-hmm. there's the ability for devices to get over-the-air updates and enable that. So I'm all for it. Yeah. Um, yep. So protocols, what is your favorite automation that you've got in your house right today? Today, um, I think there were, I still say it's the lights because the I have a very understanding wife, which mm-hmm. is great because none of this stuff goes wrong. It's just like <laughs> anything that's got... It's not even programming, but like if you put it that way, it's there's so many scenarios and stuff like that. And yeah. it's like, oh, why is this light turned on? I was like, oh, yeah, let me have a look at that. Yeah. Um, but there, there was a point, I think it was last year, she was like, you know what? I haven't had to touch a switch downstairs um, in the house for months or the last time I could remember kind of thing. I was like, yes, that yeah, to me is, that yeah, is what you actually wanted. working. Yeah. That's um, perfect. And it's also weird that she brought that up as well and noticed it. So mm-hmm. again, it's great that she hasn't noticed it until I don't know what she was thinking about the time. But I think that to me was the the key point. It's like actually, if you now got rid of that, would you even think about right. doing it? And but it does open up another question of we've got two kids, and it's um, you know back in my day, my current parents would be like, you know, don't forget to turn off the lights, yep, yep. shut the door and all that sort of stuff. But now it's like, they don't even think about that stuff. So if they go to say someone's house or something like that, would they have, would they be seen as kind of rude type thing because they're not <laughs> doing it? Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you just yell at them for good measure, just so they, they have that experience of being a child of, of turn off the lights, but dad, it turns it off by itself. Oh yeah. Good point. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> or just randomly turn off automation so it doesn't yeah, do that right. like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's why um, um, I, I love the light automation just to be able to turn lights off like I, that yeah. I think I guess I like walking into a room and the lights turn on like I get a buzz from that every time that happens but I think when I see a room that has lights left on it frustrates me so much um, just because I think of wasted energy um, no one's yeah. in the room for it to be lit up um, so yeah, I think the automation for me is really powerful in turning the lights off when no one's in there. Um, yeah, I'd say the, probably my 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 most liked one uh, rather than favorite is uh, so I've got a set of bed sensors that I put in, and um, they're using uh, these like flexible kind of resistive resistive um, sense. Um, film kind of thing, okay. and I put them on the bed slats, and right. um, I, because the I bought one of those like analog the analog to digital converters that could take four of them. So I put them mm-hmm. like top of the bed, bottom bed, left and right. Um, at the time, I was using ESP8266 um, for that and uh, using Tasmoda for um, the firmware. And it worked so well because it got to the point where it was like, I don't know, working from home, I'll just take a nap, get in bed, blinds come down. <laughs> go to bed could trigger like an alarm you know so like wake up in like 10 20 minutes whatever it was <laughs> and then when you get out of bed as well blinds come up yep uh, yeah. turn off the alarm because he knows you're out of bed and then you can just go back to work kind of thing and it's and then that applies to so many other things as well so <laughs> that's funny that to me is like the pinnacle of what i've done in the house that's amazing for so for, for danny's boss that's listening now yeah now you know <laughs> You know exactly his secret of, uh, of, of how he got through the day. When he doesn't answer those Slack messages for 10 minutes, that's what's happening. That's right. <laughs> so I've always wondered with the bed sensors, though, like what happens when you put something like on the bed, like, you know, washing or um, anything that's heavy on the bed? Does it recognize it? Hmm. Does it think there's someone laying in the bed? Like, and has that ever been an issue? Um 
or is it smart enough to know uh, that's a it's a light load? It's not a person, or it's not a, it's an animal or something. Don't trigger that. No, it's not. And there's there's other, so I've actually moved from Tasmoda, which I've to ESP Home as well since that kind of um, got more popular. Mm, and yeah. I found I don't know I can't explain it, but I think the Tasmoda seems to be more accurate. Um, even though it's just given arbitrary values compared to ESP Home, which uses voltage to kind of mm. sense out um, what's on it. Um, but there's, there's different things. There's like, um, if you put a load of washing on in a basket or something like that, because I've got two on each side of the bed at the top and bottom, it's quite unlikely that you'll get both sensors of a human weight kind of thing. Unless you have something heavy on maybe like a suitcase or something. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's pretty good. Um, and then the other thing is like, if, uh, say like a kid jumps on your bed or something like that, that's only momentary and they move about and stuff as well. Whereas when you're sleeping, you could almost add like a, uh, was it wait for X amount, yeah. like a minute or two minutes or something like that too, to kind of offset that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I've, I've actually mm-hmm. tried making these before. Like I have all the pieces for it and everything. And for whatever reason, I think, I think maybe I just got a dud of, a like the analog to digital converter and, no matter what, I just could not get it to um, read the values of it. Like it just wasn't even detecting them. And so it's interesting that you're, you know, you kind of ran through Tasmoda and then ESP Home. And then now you're kind of saying maybe Tasmoda is better. Not better, but like, I guess better. It's more accurate. I don't know what you want. So (laughs) (laughs) there's no sugarcoating it there, right? Um, no, but I think also at the time the Tasmoda only supported the ESP8266, and then I moved on to ESP32 chips, and they didn't right. support it at the time as well. So that's why I kind of moved. I wanted everything in the same ecosystem to manage it. So um, makes sense. Yeah, I, I I don't know whether it like you said I don't know if it's better or not because it's the same hardware. It's just reading the values differently. Mm, um, yeah, and ever since then as well, it's, it's it sounds really stupid, but like the the mattress you put on the slats it's actually uneven weight because you, when you're changing the bed sheets or something like that, the it could be shifted to the left or the right. And then that might also put the sensor off kilter. And I think this is where I need to explore some of the, I think they're called filters for the uh, ESP home stuff to try and filter some of that out or like average it out or something along those lines. Right. Right. So you want it within kind of this rough range, right? Like it's not even that, because if you think the the mattress is pressing on one sensor Mm-hmm. Um, for a period of time, you could just see the graph kind of stay high, thinking someone's lying in it. But actually, you want it to be more. Uh, if it's sustained amount, let's say it's reading like two volts, for example, um, and it's normally at zero. Well, if if you've moved, if the mattress shifted a bit, or you changed the sheets and it done that, you want to say actually reset that back to zero, or only when it goes up beyond the two. Right. Yeah. So you want to like sort of kind like of tear difference. it at some point and say, all right, this is your new yeah. base level now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I wonder. So if, yeah, I think yeah. some of the, yeah. There's there must be some filters for that, but I'm I'm haven't looked into all of the. There's so many different types as well, and I'm not trying to could figure you, out which one's the best. Could you do that in Home Assistant? Like, how, like if Home Assistant is getting those raw voltage numbers, I don't know if it is. I'm just saying, if it is, could you then um, in Home Assistant have an automation say, okay, um, like you could have a button say press this, reset yeah. it, and then um, you could just set like a hidden variable somewhere like a, an import text or something and say all right this is your new base zero and then your automation will be based on that value you know if uh it's gone above this value of this entity then it's got someone on it yeah you could probably there's probably helpers that will help you like things like the min max or the statistics yeah. um stuff yeah. 
Um, but I think the ESP home filters actually have more scientific ones like Bayesian and deltas and stuff like that. Um, right. So I think those would be more powerful. And then the, the calculation of it will just feed into home system rather than have home system trying and to then, take yeah, a value and then calculate it. Yeah. yeah. And you're kind of yeah. better. It's a little more efficient doing it off home system too, right? You just kind of split the load a little bit for in terms of just computation of who's doing what. Mm. But, um, Interesting. So, and, and you said you used the, like the strip like sensors, not the, cause the ones I got were like the little square ones, like they, with the, uh, oh, yes. thing the, in the, the weight kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah, the, yeah. The, the H way bridge, I think, or H bridge yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So this is where like Lewis from everything smart home kind of went yeah. through all of those types of sensors. And it's, it's very interesting how we went through it, but the strip sensors work best for me, I've, I also bought some of those, but mm-hmm. the legs of the um, my bed is kind of like a rectangular shape. So I would have to build a platform right. for the bed mm. or the, the, the weight sensor to go on top of. Um, and right. it's also then you had to have wires in all four corners of your bed. Whereas for these, I could put them on any slats. So I could do it to like top of my torso to the middle of my torso. And then um, could do the same for my kind of wife's side, but, you know, because we're at different heights as well, you can then move it from up or down the slats as well, as opposed to using the posts right. of the bed. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, it's literally just stuck down with tape, and you could just move it if you really wanted to. <laughs> yeah, and yet some of those things can be the, the most rock solid thing in your smart home. It's funny. Duct tape it all. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> well, have you done anything else with like ESP devices or Tesmoda around your house apart from just a, a bed sensor? Um. I've played with the ES Presence stuff. Um, mm. It's okay until I found out like what actually supports iBeacon because it's to me it's it's very much like the whole HDMI or the USB C specs kind of stuff. It's like oh, I um, it's got Bluetooth, so it must support it. But actually, if you're actually looking at specific iBeacons, only certain devices support it. Yeah, and the thing that was a killer for me was that I, I use a Garmin watch and that doesn't support it. I'm like, but that's literally on me all the time. Yeah. Um, right. So that's, that was really annoying. Um, but yeah, so ESP presence was one thing I've done. And then the other stuff, um, I've, I bought one of those, um, they call them E-tape, but they're, they're kind of like a similar thing with the resistor stuff, but it's for moisture. So I've got a, a water okay. tank in the, the loft and, uh, maybe the ball cock valve maybe gets stuck once a year and i know the ideal solution would be why don't you just replace it but (laughs) i know why don't i just stick this in it's got like a open-ended tube with the tape in the middle you stick it in and then as depending on the level of the water would depend again on the resistance side type Mm. of thing so um i stuck one of theirs on a kind of battery pack um again taped around one of the (laughs) The, the loft beams just to see I could get the readings and stuff like that. I mean, whilst I was there, I thought, oh, yeah. I'll stick a environment sensor like the BME 680 and it did, then did like temperature, humidity and all that sort of stuff. And um, so that was pretty cool and it works. And I just got like a, to measure out the voltage, I just got a bucket of water and just dipped it in and it's got markings of how high it is up to like, it's like a mm. 30 centimeter a long stick mm. and that you had. And um, that was pretty cool. But I've kind of, it's kind of come down. Well, it's not in there anymore because of running off the battery pack reporting every minute, it maybe lasted like a day on a battery. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. And it's, although it's got electrics as in, it's got lighting in there. I don't, it doesn't have a socket or anything. So, um, right. I'll probably yeah, revisit that and maybe send. Yeah. And so I've, I think I'll redo that again. Um, 
maybe send a read do a reading on every 10 minutes or every half an hour or something like that because right i don't need it that often um and then um esp stuff no i think that's those are the kind of two things i've now literally put it on every single bed as well so all the children's bed are in there so they can't claim they were pretending to be asleep when they're actually playing <laughs> um, <laughs> i mean they still can they just play on their bed <laughs> <laughs> yeah get the ipad out away they go I love, I love that you could have like even for the going back to the previous uh, thing with your with the tank there, right? It's like there, there's a very easy fix, but or I could just over engineer the crap out of this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and as with any good home automation person, that's that's the right you duck. <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> I think it's we funny. had someone up there fixing something, and they were like, "What's this?" I was like, "Don't worry, it's nothing nefarious. Just just ignore it." <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's just wires coming out of a tank, nothing to worry about. Yeah, it was. We were actually getting our boiler fixed at the time, and he was doing something with central heating. So I was just like, what is that? I was like, uh, just, yeah, just leave it alone. <laughs> hey, everyone. I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. So I was yeah. actually telling you how much water was in that tank, like to that level, or? Yeah, so it's a 30 centimeter long kind of sheet that was then covered in an open-ended tube so you can then mm. stick the tube in the water and then you've got the wires at the top and the wires is what you then read you power and read off of that to see yep. it's very similar to like those bed sensors except it's just with um water i think it does it the opposite way so it's with water it's more conductive so then it's, right. um you can get more voltage out of it um and then yeah so it's it's pretty cool i think it got it off like uh i can't remember what the site was called um, but I remember that the product was called E-Tape. I, I yeah, don't know why, interesting. but yeah. That's I can cool. send you a link later on. Yeah, I'll have a look. That'd be good. Um, do How are you getting that information into home? Is it using, was that through ESP Home or were you yeah. using something like MQTT? No, uh, ESP Home. Um, nice. Same with the bed sensor. They just read yeah. it and then it goes through the ESP Home integration and it's all there. The API, gotcha. yeah. Yeah. Have you have you looked at turning on the uh, new, new Bluetooth uh, proxy features on those? Yes, um, I have, but I don't can't tell whether it's working or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I've got a couple of those. Is it the the My Flower Flora? Yeah, yeah, flora, flora. Flora. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a couple of those, and I configured it in one um, ESP Home that's near the uh, the flowers themselves. Yeah, but. I can't tell you whether that's through proxy or not or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure. It, like, I'm, it, honestly, it works really well. So this, the flower pot right here has, uh, like, the one right behind me there. It, it's got a, uh, 
it's got a USB uh, home Bluetooth proxy based my Flora sensor in there too, right? And literally pop the battery and it just shows up in, uh, in dashboard. It's really cool. You didn't even have to configure it or any uh, apart from add it in as an integration. Yeah, like like it, it goes like new device discovered, right? And then you click continue or whatever, and then and then go on. But yeah, it, no, I, I didn't have to do anything. It just saw it and it showed up in in the uh, integrations plane. So yeah. you're using an ESP Home, or, sorry, an ESP32 as a like Bluetooth proxy into Home Assistant now. Yep. To get that, because I know your server's like far away or something, so you would have yeah, just, which know, is Bluetooth which is great, and, and it's an actual server server right so like I've, yeah. I've got like a couple of usb ports in there which i have with like my uh, zigbee stick in there and so on mm. and so forth but yeah no it's just uh it's just uh there's an esp home in our esp home there's an esp32 in my closet that i've had there actually for the the my flora sensor so i actually just took it out the other day and uh removed all of my flora logic and put the yep. uh put the ble logic in there and and it works great the proxy logic it it's fantastic. I've nice. got another one behind my uh, bed as well. So kind of one for this side of the house, one for that side of the house because coverage. Yeah. yeah. And Bluetooth doesn't have the best coverage anyway. So No, exactly. So, but uh, yeah, so the ones on the sensors on that side of the house pick up over there and the ones on this side of the house pick up in the closet. So it's great. Yeah. We should try that because remove the, because the ESP home, uh, I've got it set up with like, was it the platform, whatever it was with the uh, Mi Flora. So I'll probably, yeah. if I remove that, then probably show up then. Yeah, only thing is you don't get battery anymore, which I mean, I'll know yeah. when it stops showing up. I'll, I'll, I'll know that it's that it's dead. But uh, yeah, so but that's exciting. So um, what? Like, so I know you talked about like earlier. You mentioned you know your wife was kind of saying like, hey, you know, like I haven't really touched a light switch in like a year. It's kind of cool. How do you drive a lot of that stuff? Then is it just straight automation, automation and voice, uh, tablets? What do you do? Presence? Literally presence. Um, so yeah. I, th- I think the whole, uh, although the um, the voice assistant stuff was cool and started off this journey of like, actually now they can bring stuff into that. You could use the voice to trigger it. I've literally got to a point where now they're almost like just room speakers for if you want to play music around the house yeah. and that's it. Um, we don't use voice to really do anything unless it's overriding something. Um yeah. And then same with the app as well. Like uh, she only has Home Assistant apps. So she doesn't install like the billions of uh, yeah. apps to, yeah. to control them, which is great. Um, but even then the app's on there, but she rarely goes in unless something goes wrong or something is not working the way she wants it to. Um, so all of that is done through things like motion sensors um, or the network integration to see whether we're home or not. Um, mm. Or I've also set up things like Frigate as well so we can detect um whether there's a car coming or there's a person and all that sort of stuff yeah um delivery man maybe? so yeah so yeah that the, those sorts of things so yeah we honestly i, I think that to me that's the end my end goal is like i think i put on my github page of like my automation journey isn't finished until someone or something can wash my clothes and fold it and put it away because yes that to me is automation. <laughs> yeah, what cameras yeah. are you using? And like, are you using like a special MVR to get all that into Frigate? Um, or is it straight from the RTSP stream of a random camera into device? Um, yeah, so they're using, uh, I've got uh, a couple of FOSS cams, recently bought a Rio Link, and I think one that's not integrated is the Ring camera. Um, 
So again, mm. another mishmash of um, brands and devices, and they all go through to, I use Frigate MVR so that you stand up as your own server and it kind of yep. talks about through RTSP. Yeah. And then they also integrate to Home Assistant as the, just the feed as well. Um, but the Frigate stuff has its own integration that will alert you when it detects something. You can even do things like a cat or a dog or, you know, a mm. motorbike and stuff like that. Interesting, yeah, because I don't think the Ring, like I've got a Ring video doorbell, um, yeah. and like it's locked down. There's no getting the RTSP stream from that camera into Homeassistant easily, right? It's so frustrating. No, um, for that one, it's I think it only captures when someone, when it detects motion or when someone mm. presses the doorbell. Yeah. Um, so what I do... Clip. Yes. Yeah. So what I do is then I yeah. send that clip to, uh, I think it's a deep stack. So that's another thing, <laughs> uh, another go. object detection. And then it then sends the results back. And then it, when it detects something, it will pop an alert onto the app if we're not home, say. That's interesting. So, yeah, because I've got, I used to have a, an automation setup whenever um, the ring, you know, would capture a new video, home assistant would download it and then save it on my NAS for long term. So, you know, once my 30-day um, story yeah. ring run out, I'd still have the video. But I didn't realize you could then send that video off to somewhere else um, to get integrated, like to get, um, you know, Processed. analyzed. So that, yeah, that might be um, an interesting use case because I've just put up a, another camera in the backyard, but unfortunately it's a solar-powered rear link camera. I don't think there's any RTSP stream for that. There is... Um, the library on GitHub I'm looking at at the moment called Neo, what, what is it, Real Link? So Neo Link. Um, and that mm-hmm. has a like a sort of backwards engineered whole bunch of the different of the proprietary stuff of Real Link cameras. I'm hoping I can get uh, the, the Argus 2 cameras that I have somehow compatibility with Home Assistant. That would be nice, but I'm not holding my breath. I might have to. Yeah, just invest in powered cameras out there. Is that is that custom firmware fill, or is it? Uh, it's like a separate piece of uh, like like a Docker container or something that you run. Yeah, it's like a it's, it, you can run it as a Docker container, um, and it apparently yeah, allows like it would then know how to connect into the cameras um, mm-hmm. using their specific real link protocols um, and reverse engineer it. So essentially, what's happening is I think the developers using things like Wireshark to work out how those cameras are communicating with the real link servers up in AWS and then trying to mimic the same thing and then just pulling out the stream. Right. Okay. Uh, I haven't, yeah, I'm still very early days of researching, unfortunately, and I'm not confident that it's going to work too out too well for me. Yeah. Did you not, did you not check that before you buy it? Well, yeah, I I got a bit gung ho. I got a bit trigger happy on the (laughs) Amazon. I I just fully called you out right now. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? I was like, Oh, a solar powered, Camera, yes, I need that. Oh, Real Link, Real Link works with Home Assistant, no worries. Oh, and then of course you um you get it installed, you go to get the app working, and then oh, it's a solar powered camera. There's no live viewing. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm stuffed here. So, and of course it was from China, from AliExpress. I'm not gonna bother trying to send that back as a return, right? Um, yeah, were they expensive? So I, not at the time. I don't think so. Maybe like a hundred dollars or something. It's pretty cheap okay. for. Uh, I could be completely wrong, but yeah, I don't think it was. It wasn't enough money for me to want to take it back. Essentially, is that hundred like Australian dollars? Yeah, so that's probably what like ten pound for you or something like that. Uh, I don't know. With uh, what's going on the pound at the moment, I'm still trying to work it out. <laughs> Although the pound is uh, going pretty crazy at the moment, so you know whatever we say by the end of the podcast could be different. Yeah. 
Um, That's right. We'll see what the new chancellor does anyway. So. <laughs> Um, I think probably the only other thing I want to go through was like recently got uh, solar panels installed at the house. And nice. um, so it's, yeah, it's one of those things I've been eyeing up for ages and ages and then finally got enough money to kind of save up and put that down. And it's been amazing. Um, so we've got solar panels and battery and stuff. And I think one of the things I actually tweeted this week about was the energy dashboard is great, but it's a bit, it's like almost like an hour behind kind of thing because it mm. kind of collects that data yeah. up so looking at a couple of people's posts and stuff like that it's like oh you can just make your own kind of live dashboard so uh, ended up doing something like that and um there's a guy called mark runty or i think he's called brunty um, on twitter and he had a couple of the dashboards for his energy stuff so taking that as inspiration and it's nice. um created something that's um, it's definitely not mobile friendly, but at least you can see kind of like when the solar kicks in versus when the battery it does and all of that sort of stuff. And using um, the Apex Charts um, to, uh, cards, you can then get like night and day oh, uh, nice. labels and stuff like that. So right. it, it's it's been really, it's really cool that, yes, out of the box, you can, here's what you've got for tracking your energy usage, but then you can then build your own stuff to suit you as well. And it's, yeah, yeah, quite flexible enough for you to then use that to say, like, actually, can I? At least you're now living by that chart to say, can I turn the dishwasher on now or like the washing machine and that That's sort of interesting. thing. Interesting. Um, that was going to be sort of my alluding to my next question. So you've got now you've got solar panels. Are you doing any automations based on you know when you're generating more power than you're consuming from the grid? Have you thought about going down to that level yet? Yes. Um, so. Qu- quite a few of our appliances are still it's relatively old like maybe five to ten years old so mm. they're quite dumb um but it's, it's I've, I've only got as far as to say right your batteries as a notification your battery's charged to say 85 percent mm. and it's due to be finished charging in the next hour let's say so you at least that's a, a a kick for you might want to turn something on like like the dishwasher washing machine yep. on um to use up some of the excess and i've created a script where it's, it's clever enough to know who's at home using the present stuff to say only send the notification to people at home because yes, if you're not yeah. there what are you going to do kind of thing um right ideally yeah ideally i would like to get to a point where if i had the appliances that were smart then it could turn those on and off but kind of like your solar camera it's a bit hard to know, okay, so if I replace an appliance like a dishwasher washing machine, what are the capabilities of that, mm. even if it does work with Home Assistant? Because yep. right. it doesn't mean that they can actually start a cycle or something like that either. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah or yeah. there's a risk of you know firmware update coming out in six months for a security issue and you lose that access, right? <laughs> and breaking it, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I haven't got anything that actually automatically triggers, uh, to start something or use something, mm. um, right now, but that's the thing I'm kind of thinking of and just looking at all of this, uh, I've got a, a goal of trying to map out my minimum 50% of my electricity usage to a device so I can see what at wow. least minimum 50% of it is being used wow. for this year. Look at this guy's put KPIs on of... his own house. Like, I want to have 50% <laughs> yeah, of my devices <laughs> tracked in homes individually. Wow, there you go. Do you get yourself a Maybe bonus? Like, I can have a, an extra uh, gadget next year if I, I reach my KPI. I know, right? Just give me an idea to talk to the wife as well. It's like, so SLAs, let's negotiate yeah. these right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah. Danny's so, managed service for home. There <laughs> <laughs> you go, Paulus, give us a shout. Yeah. <laughs> um, so based on my kind of the two appliances, they're about maybe five years apart from each other. Um, with the dishwasher, the oldest in the washing machine, um, it was replaced because it was a, a recall for fire hazard. I think it was a couple of years ago. Right. Guess which one uses the most electricity out of the two? Oh, the brand new one, probably. <laughs> That'll be the washing machine. Yeah, Bill, dishwasher. It's the dishwasher. <laughs> yeah, hey? wow. the dishwasher uses about one point three kilowatts in one its normal cycle, and the washing machine was about 0.5. So I could get almost like three cycles of a washing machine for the equivalent mm. of a dishwasher, and. Hmm. It's, it's that kind of question as well. It's like, okay, my dishwasher is like almost 10 years old. Would it be more efficient to replace it? But talking to a couple of people on, on Twitter as well, it doesn't seem like that's the case. And like Rohan, you said, it's actually some of them uses more. I'm like, but surely not. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it, it's, it's at what cost too, right? So I don't know, like a dishwasher, <clears throat> excuse me, a dishwasher, let's say it's like $400. Well, great. For that $400, how much? extra power consumption is going to take for that $400 to get um, utilized. Right? Like, what's the, I guess, uh, not to be businessy here, but like the return on investment here is really <laughs> like not great sometimes, right? It's because the cost of the device is so high. Yeah, that, that's another thing of calculating all of that stuff as well. It's just like, I'm going to spend, what, four or 500 pounds on a new appliance and you're saving like yeah. one or two P yeah. per cycle. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's frustrating though. <laughs> The only reason why I guessed the dishwasher is I actually am monitoring my dishwasher power as well and washing machine, and I can definitely tell, um, yeah, just how much the dishwasher uses per day. But interestingly, and this is why I love like the home system dashboard. Now that we can see how much devising, uh, how much devices are using, um, so I have my Synology NAS. I put a power brick mm-hmm. against that, um, put one against the dishwasher. Um, I need to put stuff around like the TV um, and anything else, but the Synology uses the most power that I've got currently tracked. You could run the dishwasher on a hot cycle um, once a day, and the Synology would still use more energy than that. Um, so, wow. And I think the dishwasher, because it's probably got its own heating, um, I think it just takes cold water. They generally just take cold water, and then they have their own heating for the water inside it. Um, that yep. way you can get like hotter water than what your hot water service can provide into the dishwasher. I believe that's how it works. At least that's how they work down under at least from what I believe. So that's probably why it's using up so much energy as well, where it has to heat the water um, compared to just a washing machine that's just doing a cold cycle. So they are, our washing machine and dishwasher both only takes a cold feed. So um, Interesting, I guess, yeah. Yeah, so I, um, I mean, the washing machine, you, you can set the temperature, but my dishwasher is so old, it's just on, off, eco, <laughs> yeah, 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 quick yeah, cycle, yeah. and literally that's it. Oh, yeah. oh, and a delay timer, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they both have to heat up their own water for it. Yeah. I was going to say, so your washing machine doesn't take hot water. Is that what you just said? Oh, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. It, it only takes a, a cold water pipe in. Yeah, generally they're just cold water. I'm pretty sure mine has both. Because <laughs> I have I have two two pipes going to it and a drain. So Yeah, I, I have two pipes going to mine, but um, I have a feeling the, the it used to be that you had to feed it both hot and cold, mm-hmm. but nowadays maybe not. Yeah, I think generally, like new ones are just cold water only, and they you said mm. they have to heat up the water as they need. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting you- that you monitor your stuff as well, then Phil, um, because I think the biggest power tool for mine is I run my stuff on an Unraid server, and that's mm. like 
oh, it takes up so much to the point where it's like, oh, should I get a home assistant yellow so I could just turn it off? But then oh, the other problem is it's all of the camera like detection stuff. And I can't think of a way around having something that runs 24-7 to analyze the images without, yeah. say, like a graphics card or something that accelerates that too. So yeah. Well, depending on depending on how much <laughs> money you want to throw at it, you could always put it up on like a cloud, like Google Cloud or AWS or Azure or something like that, right? But then it's not local, but, right? I mean, you got to. It's not local. Well, it, it's it's not local, but it's your instance, right? You control what happens to it. In theory, yeah, but it still requires crap, an active but... internet connection. Yes, and it needs an internet and... connection and stuff. But correct. Yeah, I, and energy prices haven't gotten that bad that it's more cheaper to run a cloud instance than a, a local yeah. instance too so far. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> I'm, I'm just noticing your blinds in the background keep opening and closing. Is there like an automation going haywire for you? Or uh, It's um, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I've got switchbot <laughs> curtains on the, the rods and, and um, I've got it set, I think it's at 2 p.m. where it says like, check to see what the weather's like whether it's sunny or not yeah and nice. then it'll open or close and it because it does battery as well it could open, yeah. close it to charge up the, the the batteries too um so it will close the blinds to charge the battery yeah because if it, if you think the the switch bots are in the middle of the, the curtains if it goes to the sides it gets less slight yeah. than if it was in the middle is right. that something that you coded in or is that standard from switchbot uh that is this is all through home assistant Wow, so you've coded Home Assistant to say, all right, my SwitchBot battery is at this level, so move the curtain into <laughs> the middle the to get more... All right, close the curtain. Close the curtain yeah, to get more battery. <laughs> based on the weather forecast, and yeah. I've, I've got a couple of few outdoor sensors too, so you can tell how bright, bright it is. Bright it is, yeah. amazing. <laughs> that's, that's great. What you can do, actually, and this is something um, I got from Pascal on his Twitter, um, get a weather station if you haven't already outside integrated into Home Assistant. Um, I got uh, an EcoWit one, and it actually has uh, the solar lux, so you can tell how bright it is, similar to your motion sensors. Mm-hmm. But there's also, um, I think, solar intensity um, and UV Ooh. index as well. So with the solar, like with that intensity rating, you could then tell, all right, I'm actually going to get a good charge as opposed to it being really bright, but just cloudy and not going to get any charge out of this day, right? Um, so that might what be was that called? Cool? It's an EcoWit weather station. And there's a home assistant integration um, pretty nicely done too. Like it just, everything's local. Yeah, that'll be really useful. I, I used to have the NetAtmo one, but the integration, it was unreliable to the point where I just took it off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like this is, I've been pretty impressed. I think the weather station itself is RF and then there's a little Wi-Fi dongle in that sits inside the house. Um, and okay. then you can choose, all right, where do you want to push the data to? And home assistant just creates a custom URL that you tell the weather station to push data into. Um, and then just pushes that locally into your Home Assistant instance. And now I've got um, a dashboard in Home Assistant that has all the weather data from that weather station, like graphs and stats and stuff. And then I might yeah. push that off. You can, also, Influx you can also build your own data. depending on what sensors you want and stuff like that, right? They're, uh, I was looking at them. They don't look too, too difficult and just power it with like an ESP32 or something like that, right? And uh, they're they're pretty slick. The only problem is you got to, wherever it is, you got to get power out to... Whatever well, well, that's why I like these EcoWit ones. Like, you just put two AA batteries in it, and it keeps them charged based on a little mm-hmm. solar panel that's on the weather station. And the range on those things, like, you could mm-hmm. put them hundreds of meters away, I'm guessing, or 100 meters away. Yeah. Um, and as long as it can, yeah, RF back to, because it's 433 megahertz uh, frequency, back into your yep. house, you're fine. So, yeah. yeah. That's, and that's, then I, there's more ideas that I can add to my stuff too. Hey, well, amazing. that's it, right? Like, <laughs> 
that's right. That was that just came from. Um, so now I've added because we're going to be coming into uh, summer now. Um, one thing we want to be conscious of is like the UV rating, and so that weather station actually will tell you how what the UV rating is live at your location. Um, so I've just added a little gauge card into my home system dashboard that will say, you know, depending on the UV level, you know, is it one, two, three? Um, there'll be a gauge to say, yep, right, you need to put sunscreen on yeah. essentially today, otherwise you're going to get. Hmm. And it is the switch what has like a light level which does one two three as well um but again because if it's open it's to the sides it's obviously mm. not reading Accurate. what is yeah yeah well it's kind of slightly covered to, to the side of the window so you're not going if you know it's bright in the middle of the window yeah. you're, you're not going to get you're not going to know to close it or open it kind of thing it's interesting that they wouldn't put that so that you could put it in the middle permanently like as a like as an like the solar panel and that sensor on a cord or something that you could then make it remote from the main motor as well. I would have thought they would have done that, but maybe not. Hmm. Probably jerry rig it to with it because it's USB cable on the back, so you could get an extension thing. But yeah, interesting. Good point. Because hmm. it's good. It kind of like if the unit's like it's got um, hooks on the unit itself, so it kind of hooks onto the back of it yeah. that faces yep. the window. So, um, but yeah, it's, just, it's a good idea actually. I'm much by that. <laughs> There you go, another overcomplicating thing. That's it. Well, there you go. <laughs> May as well. Any, anything we can do to help. <laughs> how are you going with, so you mentioned before you've got the, the kids in like not knowing how to turn lights off. How are you going with kids and the smart home? Have you done anything exciting, fun with them? How are they finding the smart home? Good question. I haven't asked them. There's a couple of things that I did with, um, so the, the smart things, multi-sensors has a vibration. It's not vibration, but it's like, uh, well, I think home assistant calls it vibration or used accelerometer. And so mm. it did funny things like um, for their bedroom lights, if it if there's a delay in, say, the motion sensor picking them up or something like that, you could um, knock on the door and then it will pick up that and then it will turn the light on. Um, there's a bit of problem with that. When <laughs> my daughter was like, she thinks she was like angry at us or something. So she shut the door and it turned the light off as well. <laughs> <laughs> so and, and then she opens it back up because because when she opens the door again to say oh, the lights turned off kind of thing it turns yeah. back on yeah so there's a i think i found the halloween trick right there so. yeah um so we've done that um they have i mean it's been similar to kind of my wife's comment it's been very transparent to them in that they didn't have to learn anything or do anything mm. per se um yeah. And it's only when stuff doesn't work that they say, oh, the bathroom light hasn't turned on again or it's dim or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. But no, I haven't really involved them that much in um, in actually building anything like that or anything. Um, I think it's more, for me, it's that kind of etiquette and cultural piece of like, you know, when you leave, you should turn the light off and stuff and just thinking how maybe even a bigger picture of how technology is impacting them in those sorts of mm-hmm. ways as well. Yeah, that's interesting. What a world they'll grow up in, right? Right. Right. I know. Hell yeah. Um, although, any tips on, this sounds really bad, like tracking them because they only use a tablet, but that's only at the home, but you don't know when they, they've left the house or come back mm. or sometimes the, lo- the the tablet, it doesn't update locations frequently and stuff. Yeah, well, right. we actually so, had this conversation with Michael now, previous episode, and I've said that I have the nuclear football, which is my daughter's nappy bag um, that always goes with her. So I put a tile tracker in that bag um oh, yes. so you know uh, and that just uses uh a bluetooth uh room assistant um which is running on a computer i have in the house so you know if that bag leaves then of course uh, i've got a bayesian sensor that 
you know, if my wife is gone, the car's gone, but the nappy bag might be left behind, then there's a good probability that my daughter isn't at home as well. Um, but yeah, I think Rohan suggested stitching uh, things into backpacks. Um, yeah. Uh, so I think, yeah, trick, if kids don't have like devices like iPhones and or phones that they're taking with them, I can't, yeah, I guess it would be pretty tricky to know if they're home or not. Have you found yeah. any of the iBeacon ones that doesn't need something like standard. a room assistant? To, especially with the proxy stuff now, right, as well? Yeah, I think yeah. maybe. Um, I, I like Tile only because I'm an Android person and my wife's an iPhone, so it's sort of like a cross um, mm. device. And then room assistant can just pick it up because it's a, a Bluetooth beacon. Um, so I guess it's very similar to what like a normal iBeacon would do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's still iBeacon behind the scenes, isn't it? Because I don't think it's, I, I know, I know Apple created a standard. I don't think it's proprietary though. I might be wrong. No, I think like tiles, just like a Bluetooth beacon, but Apple's iBeacon stuff is different. Um, yeah. Somehow. I did look at the iBeacon page and there was only a very few listed compatible devices and even mm. trying to get hold of them has been really hard. So right. It's one of those things as well. It's like, yes, it's not super expensive, but also I don't want to have buy something. Well, I guess it's like your solar <laughs> solar camera. Yeah. I, I don't want to get something and it just doesn't work. It's like, oh, what's the point? Yeah. But that's why I like the Tile Pro um, and Room Assistant combination. It sort of it does that iBeacon for me. Um, I can have multiple agents of Room Assistant running around the house um, and it will pick up, you know, this tile is closest to this um, thing. They don't need to be paired or anything because um, it's yeah. just getting that MAC address of the Bluetooth device. Um, but yeah, I did look at those devices for the iBeacons. I thought, oh, there's no real advantage here for me. And then you've got to carry a device with you. Like, I don't yeah. know, kids are going to be carrying that device with them everywhere. I think put it into your backpack stuff. I think that, that works for us too, especially when they're going to school. Well, yeah, school's easy, but what about on the weekend when they're not at school, right? And they're not taking their school bag with them. See, this, this is the... I can finish with them. <laughs> <laughs> this is where it gets like really, like everyone's like, oh, yeah, just put a beacon in the bag, right? And they're like, well, hang on, no, what are the edge cases? And then this is where the, the interesting stuff comes down to it. I mean, then you'd have to do something like a Bayesian sensor, right? If it the beacons at home yeah. um, and it's a school day, then they're at home. But if it's a school day and the beacons not at home, they're probably at school. If it's a weekend and the beacons are home, but the parents are out, then they're not home. Um, if they haven't, maybe you could even do something like, you know, if their room hasn't had motion in it for X amount of hours, then they're probably not home. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, none least, of those cases, all bets are off. Yeah. And then I guess, right. well, what sort of automations would you need to know that a, a specific child is home? I, I can give you one. So please, please. Uh, it was literally yesterday where um, the. It was only me at home and then the grandparents brought the kids back because they were getting changed for whatever they needed to do. I was mm. like, okay, great. I'm just going to pop to the shops to post something, um, uh, to yep. return something. I'll be back oh, let me guess. The house shut down because I thought no one was home. Pretty much. Yeah. She, uh, the... <laughs> Uh, the mother-in-law started hearing the alarm going off yeah. uh, well not going off but like counting down they but both of them were in and luckily my wife came back and they just turned it off kind of thing but yeah. it was like yeah it's not, so i guess it, whilst kids is our um kind of day-to-day stuff we've also got extended family that come and visit and things like that and for me i've got things like home modes that you could set yeah. to do that sort of stuff but again if you're for me, it's so, so automatic now. Yep. Even a push notification saying, do you want to keep the alarm on when it triggers? I don't look at my phone. Um, I, right. I'm, I'm probably driving at a time or something like that. Yeah, I've actually gone to the point where the house won't 
arm itself or go into away mode without me telling it, like responding to that notification for that very reason, right? Like, you know, if we've got mother-in-law over or my mum over and we all leave the house all of a sudden, um, I don't want to be driving down the freeway and all of a sudden I'm getting a phone call saying, hey, the TV's just turned off and everything's gone dark. Like, what's going on, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But then you get the problem of, okay, I've been out shopping for two hours and forgot to look at my phone and, oh, the house is disarmed. So TV's been left on and... So it's it's really hard. It's a catch twenty two, and uh, I think for us it works like nine nine percent. But like you said, it's those edge cases. Mm. Um, I think the yeah. easiest thing would be if they just even connected to our Wi Fi kind of thing. Then at least we know they're um, someone's yeah. at home kind of yeah. thing. Uh, but they don't. They just they don't need. I don't of know. Course. It's one of the things that yeah. we can do. Excuse Same me. Thing. Could you just connect to my Wi Fi? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Not creepy at all, right? I'm not going to be monitoring <laughs> what you're doing on your phone. What you could do instead yeah. is um, have a binary sensor to say, is someone in the house? Like if any motion, like wait until all motion sensors have stopped detecting someone in the house before wanting to go into away mode. So that way, if you do leave um, and there's still people inside the house, it doesn't then just automatically shut itself down. Yeah. I think yeah. I, that's what I was using the home modes for where if I say, I've if I flip it from normal to guest, mm. it'll do the opposite of like when I leave, don't turn the alarm off automatically. Yeah. Ask and then right. turn it on. So those types of like logic. But again, it's just I was just going around the corner. It wasn't that far and didn't think to do it. And that's yeah. when it kind of that's, guess, yeah. triggers. Well, <laughs> you actually have it's a also remembering it, right? Yeah. yeah. Do you actually have a siren on your house? That would have Yes. <laughs> Uh, nice. wow. Yeah, so that's why I'm scared. still too scared to do that. So, and this is the very reason I don't want to do that. <laughs> it's, it's triggered. A, a, it's quite funny. Well, sometimes when we're out of the house, they just pop in to grab like something, and then uh, I don't know. They, they don't have the code or anything like that, but but they it just triggers, and then we get a notification, and you just watch the video back, and then it's like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, oh, you can oh, see no. the expression. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's why I like. I think it, sometimes a, a an old school alarm panel, like by the front door, would be better in some respects, yeah. you know, as opposed to this you know fancy tablet on a wall that you need to go and disarm for. We actually use the ring system that does have an alarm panel. We just haven't given them the code. So ah, uh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Don't trust them that much. Yeah. You, you trust them to be on your Wi-Fi, but not to give them the security code. See how yeah. it works. Look after and, the kids. And to watch your fine. kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I, the, the solution I was thinking of around that was using facial recognition because if you get the say like oh it is the you know the in-laws or your yeah. parents and stuff like that then it would be able to do that but I found yeah. it quite difficult like um, depending on the position of the cameras because they're normally either quite high so you can see the mm. room in the corner it's not necessarily face level yep. and it just makes it harder to detect yeah. and I literally got to the point of just turning off because I was using something called um, Double Take um, and it all hooks into the frigate stuff and things like that. And But it, the reliability in it was so bad. And I am kind of, I think I'm appreciating mm. the fact that it, it needs the positioning of the cameras in a certain way to pick people's faces up a lot better. Um, so I, 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 it's, again, it's that making it stupidly complex for something that you could just stick a button on, but it's, yeah. that's the game where I'm looking towards kind of thing. How slow would that be also to do that facial recognition? I'm just wondering, like, let's say you've got it on a, on a ring doorbell, right? Like the, someone walks up to the door, the video gets processed, finds out, okay, yes, it's 99% probably it's this person. Like how long would that take? Would that be like a minute or 30 seconds? Do you think? 
pretty quick. Like, um, I know the frigate stuff for object detection. Yeah. Um, I think it's set to 10 seconds or less. Otherwise, it times out by yep. default. Yep. Um, and on the deep, uh, on deep stack, it's fairly similar. Um, in terms of the facial stuff, I, I can't remember how long that took, but all of these things are like, if you've got one of those like core AI USB mm. sticks, it accelerates that so well. Or if you've got like an NVIDIA graphics card, they, they're yeah. pretty quick at recognizing those stuff. So um, I don't think we're talking minutes here. It's, it's, it's going to be seconds. So and then it, now it's down to like how well you train your kind of models and stuff. Yeah. Like that. Well, I, I was going to say, it's like, hey, hey mother-in-law, I need... 153 pictures of you. <laughs> Just stand here. Okay, now turn this way, this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that that that's where it starts. You know, not always uh, working out, right? But uh, yeah. But we, we went we went from like, can you please connect to my Wi-Fi? To can I take 150 shots of you? <laughs> yeah. Well, the the other thing too is, uh, I mean, I don't know if you have like a smart door lock or something like that, and or if they have their own code to that, right? So you can also use that as mm. a mode of setting your house to a specific thing and something where you manually turn it off later, right? So because you don't necessarily know when they leave, but at the same time, so let's say they go one, two, three, four. Hey, you know what? That's mom's code. Great, I know mom's here, and then based on that, do like then Home Assistant sets itself to you know guest mode or whatever it is, right? And then. But like you said, then it's on you to turn it off. I have exactly that automation. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't have any locks or anything like that at mine. So, yeah. Well, there you go. If you get 50% of your energy tracked, you might be able to buy that for Christmas. <laughs> That's right. That's right. In the year bonus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Um, Danny, thank you so much for today. This has been yeah, a great conversation. Um, we will have links to your socials in the show notes. Um, and yeah, we'll try and chuck that um, water level sensor if you can. Send me that link. We'll put it in the show notes as well. That'd be great. But yeah, thank you so Perfect. much for taking the time for us. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cheers. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.